Hey everyone, you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is the incredible Melissa Butler, the founder of The Lip Bar. I happened to meet Melissa many years ago when we spoke on a panel and was so inspired by her story. She is single-handedly transforming her industry as well as helping rebuild an incredible city. Take a listen. Melissa, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So for our listeners, uh, I met Melissa at a, we both spoke on a panel and I was so impressed, so excited for what you're building and your story. Um, So you launched the Lip Bar, you're a Detroit native, um, and I would love to kind of hear prior to launching the Lip Bar, what, what were you doing and what got you interested in starting this incredible company? So many people who have makeup brands, they're like makeup artists or makeup enthusiasts, or they grew up playing in their mom's makeup. That was not my story. I, even today, I'm still, I don't consider myself a beauty girl necessarily, but I've always understood the power of self-esteem and self-confidence. So I was working on Wall Street, this is like straight out of college. And, you know, this it's a very male-dominated environment. So I would come in with different hairstyles or, you know, with my nails bright colors. And I, I never felt like I could be myself. And then even further, like, I felt like the media was perpetuating this idea that beauty looked like one thing, this very linear standard of beauty. So between my work life, I felt like the beauty industry and the media perpetuating this very linear standard. I was like, this is BS. Like, no, like I should be able to wear my hair however the hell I want to wear my hair. If I want to wear bright pink nails or nude nails, like that's not your business. And I realized that everything was kind of contributing to women's self-esteem and women's um, thought that they kind of need to play by the rules. And literally, that is why I started the lip bar. It's not because I was obsessed with makeup. It's because I was completely frustrated with the beauty industry, with media. And I was like, well, instead of complaining about it, I'm going to I'm going to take action towards it. And so I'm, I've always been like that actions person. I'm going to stand up for other people. I've always kind of hated those those bullies. So I'm the person who's going to raise my hand and say, no, that's not right. So I was like, I'm not going to keep complaining that, you know, models are all a size double zero. And meanwhile, I'm like 22 wearing a size six, feeling ashamed about that. So I started the lip bar, literally the challenge, the beauty standard. And that was in 2012. And now we're 10 years in business, Rebecca. It's crazy. Oh my gosh. So so what I love about all the women that come on this podcast, the entrepreneurs, I should say, is that they see a need, they see a desire and they plow headlong into it. And that can be scary for a lot of women or they don't even know where to start. So what was your like mindset? Okay, this is fucked up. You know, there's a hole to be filled. Then what do you do? So I think that the beauty of entrepreneurship, especially like if you don't come from that world, is that you are so naive that you're willing to do anything and you're willing to do everything because you don't know the rules. Like I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to make lipstick in my kitchen. I just did it. 
And of course, I didn't know how to do it. I started doing research. I started reaching out to cosmetic chemists. I started reading books on chemistry. And I just started testing and learning. Like, there's no better way to evolve and learn than by doing. So you can read as many books as you want and talk to as many cosmetic chemists as you want. You're not going to actually get that, that real world experience until you try it. And so I just dove head first into trying it. I bought all sorts of mixers and pigments and wax and oils and and molds. And literally my freezer became kind of like a chilling station for my lipstick. My stove became like where I melted all the waxes. Like I no longer had a kitchen. I had a lab. And I, it was super exciting because every time, like granted, every single formulation, probably the first 900 were fucked up. Like they weren't lipstick. But every time I got a little bit better, like I remember the very first one that I made, it was like a really bright pink color and it looked so pretty in the tube. And then I swatched it and there was no color there. And it hit me like, oh, wait, it's not enough pigment. So when you think about like black and brown women and them saying like something doesn't show up on their skin, it's because like the manufacturer didn't bother to put enough pigment for it to show up on deeper tones. So it's like I was literally learning on the fly. And that was the exciting part that kept me going. So when you started this lab in your kitchen, were you making these products just for yourself? Or did you have an early focus group of women that you're like, try this, let me know what you think? When I started, I I knew that I was my customer. And so I really just like relied on me, my friends, my family. The goal was never to like have a brand that was only for black and brown women. The goal was just to make sure that all women were able to like look in the mirror and understand that they were enough. So it's like while while black and brown women have had the unique challenge of not having complexion products that work for them, the reality is like there's no difference between my lips and your lips, right? There's, you know, every single woman has that moment where she looks in the mirror and she kind of like, she's like, uh, I wish I could just tweak this and tweak that. And so I understood that that was a phenomenon that we were all dealing with. And so my goal was to just talk to real people. So I was just talking to my friends, my family, my coworkers to understand what do you dislike about the beauty industry? And, and that was kind of like the, the grounding point. That was the foundation for the way the lip bar was built. And even today, it's kind of like, we've gotten so used to this YouTube culture where you're supposed to watch this influencer, you watch them use 15 products and do their makeup in 30 minutes. And even when I talk to my customers today, because we're still a very customer centric business, we're talking to our customers, we're surveying them, we're doing um, focus groups. We want to know like, what are your challenges right now? And they're like, I'm buying products that I have no idea how to use, or I'm buying products and I realized I don't have time, I don't have time for a 20 minute makeup routine. And so even today, we use those same principles from when we first started, where it's like, okay, let's make sure that we are as close to our customers as possible so we can solve the needs of our of our customers. So now we're like solving the product problem of makeup being too complicated. It's like how do I know what blush color works? Am I supposed to contour? How do I know what works for my, my skin type? And we do all of that work for you. It's like you take our quiz and then we recommend every single product for you so you never have to get the wrong shade again.
Well, thank God, because I feel like I'm one of those consumers. I'm like, she's really putting on a lot of layers to her makeup, and there are a lot of steps. And I just am like, wow. You know, I, I joke that I don't have time for more than like one one face product in the morning, and I'm always shocked at the 12-step routine just for lotions and serums. And so to right. then think that you're going to add 16 layers of makeup to that, I'm just like, I, that is not how I can start my day. Meanwhile, I grew up with my mom, like putting Vaseline on her face. And like my mom had the best skin. So it's like, I think some of it is like what we've just been convinced that we should do for the sake of like consumerism. And mm-hmm. I know that that's weird for me to say owning a consumer brand, but it's like I'm able to see so clearly. It's like you don't need to buy. Like, why do we even have a different face wash than a body wash? Like, why can't our body wash be like all in one? Why can't it be fantastic? Um, so I, I'm just looking at all of the ways in which we are creating more waste or we're just convincing more people to buy more stuff. And it's like we don't really need more stuff. Yeah. We definitely don't. That's been made clear to me the last two years. Um, So let's dive into how you grew the business because it's not everyone that gets to like start a a lab in their kitchen and then uh, grow to be a hugely successful company that's 10 years old, which is an incredible, you know, milestone. So what what were your next steps and what were sort of your uh, tools for success that helped you grow? Honestly, I think the biggest thing was like, being okay with not knowing. Like when you decide to start a business and and you put that title CEO behind your name, I think it can it can be a bit harmful because like no one is is just a CEO on day 1. No one knows how to just automatically be a leader or grow that company. You have to give yourself room to learn. And so I've always put a lot of emphasis on learning. I've always been okay with not knowing and admitting that I don't know. Because if you are at that place in which you are okay with being vulnerable, you're okay with you know hiring someone who is in fact smarter than you, then you give yourself and your, your company that opportunity to grow. So it's like, even from like, working with retailer relationships or hiring new people or speaking with potential investors or even mentors, like they'll say things that could fly completely over your head. And sometimes you can feel stupid. It's like, I'm the CEO. I'm supposed to know this. I'm supposed to know how this works. Or, you know, I should know this industry. This is the industry that I'm in. And it's like, okay, big fucking deal. You don't know. Now learn. But that that takes a lot of courage. That takes a lot of vulnerability to say, hey, I actually don't know what the acronym means. Because mm-hmm. like when you're in the industry, people are throwing around acronyms. They're throwing around these like standard processes. And if you started your company in the kitchen, you know, all you know is that kitchen. You don't know the corporate lingo that that is required for you to scale. But that is what is expected of you if you do want to scale in a corporate way. So my biggest thing and my, my biggest piece of advice to aspiring or even current entrepreneurs is to remain a student and remain um, loyal to why you started, which means that you have to think about your customer. And your customer is not only the in person who's buying the product, your customer is also your employees. Like one of the things that I've, I've really been focusing on over the past couple of years with my team is like, look, 
if you're excited, then the customer is going to be excited. But if you're doing this for the sake of doing it to meet a quota, it's not going to hit anyway. Because if you don't really care, the customer is not going to care because they can see that. Like I think over the past, you know, five years, the relationship between brand and customer has opened up in such a an expansive way that it's like you you're able to get that immediate feedback. You're un, you're able to understand what people like and dislike about your product. You're under, able to understand what messages clicked. And so you have to be willing to like go with the flow and learn and pivot once you get those downloads. I think that sometimes, and tell me if you felt this way, you know, you start out with a very, you know, clear idea and then the business grows, it gets complicated and it can be very overwhelming. You might even learn all the terminology, but then all of a sudden you find yourself wearing hats you didn't even know you needed to know. What were, what did you do when faced with growth and delegating and building a team? Um, Rebecca, I'm dealing with this literally right now. It's like <laughs> when you start a company, you start it because you have this like deep seated passion And it's like, as you start growing the company, you have to start thinking about shit like legal. Like I'm reading so many contracts. I didn't start this business to read contracts. I didn't start this business to have to like, you know, manage HR or think about HR. It's like I started it to serve, um, serve this community who I felt like wasn't being served. And as you grow and as you scale, I think it's really important to understand what sort of business you want to be and what sort of business owner you want to be. I think it's very common for um, startup entrepreneurs to have that moment in time where they're like, actually, I don't want to be the CEO anymore. Maybe I want to be the creative director. Maybe I just want to lead marketing because like a lot, oftentimes those are the areas in which like you play best as a startup founder. Not every startup founder is meant to like scale. And I'm realizing this about myself. And it's not even necessarily that necessarily that I'm not meant to. It's like, I don't know if I want to. Like, do do I want to um, be bogged down and kind of like the, the corporate side of the business? Or do I really want to rem- remain on the creative side of the business? Um, so I think that there's just like this need for honesty, this need for honesty and, and this removal of shame. It's like there's no shame if you bring in someone else to run your business. There's no shame in like you being like you bringing in a president and you focusing on what you're really, really good at. And I think that that is what has allowed us to continue to grow because I've been hiring people around me who I think are experts in their field while also understanding like, okay, what is the one thing, Melissa, that you can do or that you should do that no one else can do? Everyone has their own secret sauce. And that's like even just outside of business. Like, who are you as a person? What do you think your contribution is to the world? Focus on that and try not to get distracted by the other stuff because the other stuff will slow you down and it won't feel as good. So that's sort of like where I am right now and and how I am looking to evolve, um, you know, for my own personal benefit, for my own personal sanity, for and ultimately for like the sake of the business growth. 
I'm so relieved to hear you say that because there is so much shame around a woman getting to the top and then wanting to delegate and being like, why can't you do it all? And I, I always try and get to the bottom. Who's telling us? Who's sending us these messages? Sometimes it's other women, right? Yes. Uh, it's, it's, and, and that isn't talked about often enough of the women who do it all magically. And I've been very honest about the fact that like day to day, I'm not, desi- I'm not deciding the thread count and the exact Pantones anymore, feeling all the fabrics and every leather because it's impossible to do. Possible. But people don't often hear that or don't often know that. And then they can set like other women up for failure. So I'm so happy you shared that. I have decided that I am not going to allow my business to kill me. <laughs> like legit. Like I love the lip bar and I, I'm so proud of what we've built. Like I have a team of all women, like that's unheard of. Most beauty companies are actually run by men. Yep. So I'm so proud that like I get to serve like my customers who are like my team members, my end users of the product and do it in a way that's super authentic. But I also it's very difficult and it's a lot of responsibility and it's a lot of weight. And, you know, one of the things that I, I often tell my team is like, my priority is the whole business. Like my social media manager, her priority might just be social media, but I'm the only person who's having to think about every single part of the business. And it's like, that is cumbersome and it's a lot of weight. And I don't want to be superwoman, you know? I actually don't. I want to be able to like have a very fulfilling career while also having a very fulfilling life. And I got to this point probably in 2020, actually, where I realized that like I actually didn't have a life, Rebecca. (laughs) It was just all work. It was just like all work, no play. And like, yes, that will allow you to grow. But do you want to grow with joy or no? Like, or do you want to just grow and like, wake up and understand that your business is all that you have. And so I have been really practicing this, this thing that I'm calling being a balanced boss. It's like, what, what does that mean? That means that I'm going to take a vacation. That means that I'm going to prioritize working out or meditating or going out with my girlfriends or like, you know, talking to my honey on the phone or going on the, on dates. It's like, I want, I want it all. Like I literally want it all. And I feel like We have tricked women into believing that, you know, the career is the only thing that we have to strive for. And it's not like, you know, we we have the ability to have the career and the family. And sometimes people are like, you can't have both at the same time. I call bullshit. I think you can. You just have to create boundaries for yourself. Yeah, for sure. And I and I and I think at least for me, I don't know about you, it took COVID hitting for me to realize all this because yep. I realized, oh my God, I thought I was a very present mother. Um and I was being there for my kids more than other mothers I saw. And then COVID hit and I was like, oh, I I've missed so much of these people's lives because I would prioritize work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when that comes into perspective, it changes it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'd love to touch on, you know, you're an all-woman team. You're a black woman. You know, you're launching in an industry that is predominantly male, is filled with these mega brands that own a hundred different companies. How did you continue to push forward? Like you said, it was so difficult to do that. Stand your and stand your ground. That, that's a really good question because I think it can be really intimidating. So it's like I have so little market share in comparison to like Maybelline. Like the Lip Bar is a really small company in comparison to like these multinational, multi-billion dollar companies. But if I focused on them, like it would be so daunting and defeating that I would probably stop. But I have tried really hard to be present and practice gratitude for what I have built. So when I think about the fact that literally I started the company making lipstick in my kitchen and now it's in Target stores and Walmart stores across the country and I've just launched a second brand, it's like if I focus on myself and look at the progress that I have made, not in comparison to someone else, then I'm able to continue to compete because I am only competing with myself. I'm competing with, you know, the Melissa that I was yesterday while understanding that like my goal is just to get a little bit better every day. My goal is just to put one foot in front of the other every day and understand on those days when I have to take a step back that that's okay too. So it's like if I were looking at, you know, one of the really big companies, when I took those steps back, I would stop because I would be like, oh, wait, this is it. It's over. I failed. And and it's really easy to get to, get to that point of like, um, you know, self-defeatist, like coming hard, really coming down really hard on yourself. But it's like, that's not productive and it it doesn't help you. It doesn't make you want to continue. And I went through like this period, um, maybe like two years ago of being completely depressed because I was like, wait, I think I should be there. And it's like, but why? Why do I think that I should be on the same level as like one of these multinational companies. The lip bar has only raised $2 million. These companies have gotten so much money pumped into them over the past, you know, 10, 15, 20, sometimes 100 years, depending on the brand. So it's like, why am I comparing my wins as like a, a small company that was started in a super scrappy way with these people who or with these brands that are multinational conglomerates. It's not an apples to apples comparison. So by just practicing a bit more gratitude and understand that only I can be on my journey, it's like that has allowed me to keep moving forward. So you mentioned uh, 
being a boss, having fun, making sure you have, you know, time for enjoying life. But you also just said you launched another brand. So so why did you do that? And how did you do that knowing what you just said? Um, I'm a lunatic, first of all. (laughs) Okay, that helps. Um, So I launched a new brand. Um, We were talking with um, Target. So the lip bar is sold in Target stores across the country. The lip bar really speaks to like that older millennial and up. So it's kind of like women who are scaling in their careers, women who are our moms. You know, these are women who have shit to do. You know, they don't have a ton of time to spend on their beauty routines. And so we were talking about the beauty industry and like the mass market, basically. Mass is like Target, Walmart, drugstore, et cetera. Not thinking of specialty like Sephora specialty, just FYI, guys. So we're talking about the mass market, which is basically products that are really affordable. And they were like, you know, all of our brands that are, um, you know, owned by women of color are way more expensive than the average mass brand. And it was like a light bulb went off in my head because although I'm creating these products that are non-toxic and really great for the everyday woman... I have to also be mindful of the fact that the average American makes less than $70,000 a year. And so even a $15 lipstick, even in its vegan and cruelty-free and highly pigmented glory, can be expensive. And so I wanted to create something that would be more competitive because a lot of the products that are really affordable are toxic when you think about like these multinational brands. So I wanted to create something that was also vegan, cruelty-free, non-toxic, but also something to bring the fun back into makeup. I think makeup had gotten really stuffy. So we we launched Threat Beauty. It launched in Target stores across the country. It's more so for Gen Z folks. So it's all about freedom and connectivity and self-expression. And it's called Threat because The goal is for us to be reminded that even though we're all individuals and we we love creativity, we are all still connected by a thread. Like at the end of the day, we're all just humans who pee and poop and need to sleep and we have all the exact same needs. And so that's what thread does. And so it was like a passion project that I was really excited about. And I felt like we could serve Gen Z in a very self-expressive way. And I'm crazy. Oh my God, you are, you are crazy, but smart. And I'm so excited for this new launch for you. So that's awesome. Thank you. Um, So what, where do you go to refresh, refuel when you, when you have those dark moments, you know, I know you said you're going through, you know, team growth and leadership. Like, where do you, where do you turn to, to revive yourself or get energy? I am obsessed with the mountains. Like when I... And feeling really stressed, I just go for a walk. Like a simple walk does the body good. I'll turn on a podcast and literally just like walk. And I'm like looking at all the trees along the way. But if like if I've like had it up to here, if I feel like my head is about to pop off, I need to go on a hike. It's something about the the combination of of sweat and nature that is kind of like, it reminds me of how big I am, but also how small I am at the exact same time. And it's like, these mountains have been here for thousands and millions of years. And it's like, 
everything is still okay. And something about nature just grounds me in a way where it's like, no matter what it is, I'm able to just be like, it's fine. Oh, okay. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Cool. 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 Oh, you're resigning. Oh, and we don't even have a backfill for you. Okay, great. Okay. Okay, All right. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Like, and that's kind of like how I function. I don't get too caught up in the highs and I don't get too caught up in the lows. I'm pretty even. And it really allows me to be present because it's like, if I am caught in the lows, it's like, I'm stuck in the past. And if I'm caught in the highs, it's kind of like I'm still looking forward to the future. And it's like, I just want, I just want to be very present because that is how like I can keep going. And it's how I can like appreciate the moment. I love that. I feel like there's so much that you've said today that I want to, you know, do all these pull quotes for because so much of what you're saying is so true. And I think as an entrepreneur, sometimes it's a lonely journey. It's a harder journey than one could ever imagine. And um, like you, going for a walk is the thing that that definitely helps me without, I don't take my phone with me. That's my, that's my one rule. Or I don't look at my phone mm-hmm. if I'm going to go on the walk. So how have you evolved as a leader because now you're leading, you know, a company it's sold in thousands of Target stores, you know, you have two brands. What have you had to do to sort of continue to evolve there? I had to hire people who allow me to make make mistakes. I had to hire people who were willing to um create strategy and process where there was none and where I couldn't. Like, I have to be really honest. I am not an organized person. Like, I'm that person who lives in a bit of organized chaos, and it makes sense to me, which is fine, but it's not necessarily the best environment when you're growing an organization. So hiring people who understand that has been really, really helpful. And then just like leaning on my community. I have lots of entrepreneur friends, and like, I've never been afraid to ask them what's working for them, to tell them what's working for me, um, to bounce ideas off of them. It's like having that, that really strong community of women around me, whether it be my team members or my entrepreneur friends or people who are not entrepreneurs, people who are just willing to listen and allow me to talk through things has allowed me to evolve as a leader and to be a more compassionate leader. Like that's, that's the thing that, I think allows for companies to grow in a healthy way because in startup environments, like you're doing so much so quickly and and it could be tough. You know, it's, I won't lie and say the lip bar is an easy company to work for. No, like we're scaling like crazy. Like we've literally almost doubled our revenue for the last four years. Like that means that we're doing a lot of work and we're moving very quickly and we're pivoting very quickly. And so it's like bringing that humanity into the organization has allowed me to become a better CEO. And frankly, it's allowed like my team members to like their jobs. Like it's an environment where people get to be exactly who they are and and where they don't have to be afraid to speak up, which again, I think allows for um very active leadership because I'm listening. Yeah. I love that. Um, talk me through an unexpected low. Um, not that the lows are always expected, but sometimes you can get a, you know, warning that it's coming and what you learned from that. 
I mean, COVID, COVID was the unexpected low. And even though we grew that year, it's like none of us knew what the heck was going to happen. So at the end of March or top of April, we, you know, sales were dropping. People weren't leaving the house. Everyone was only buying um, fucking toilet paper and alcohol. (laughs) So it's like nobody was thinking about makeup. And so I was like, okay, we're going to have to weather the weather. We may be in a drought. And so I didn't want to let any of my team members go. And so instead of letting people go, we all took like a, I think a 20 or 25% pay cut so that we could like maintain our team and so that everyone could kind of suffer through it together as opposed to like us letting anyone go. But like, I remember I made the announcement on, you know, one of our team calls at that point, we're all virtual. And as a leader, you, you oftentimes have to like show up and, and give your best and you have to excite the team. Like I was saying in terms of like, my team needs to be excited for my customers to be excited. Well, I need to be excited in order for my team to be excited, or I need to believe it in order for them to believe it. So I made that announcement that we were going to have to like do salary cuts. And I had to like keep a super strong face and kind of like let them know that things were going to be okay. And I did it. And as soon as I ended the Zoom call, I just started bawling. Like that was probably the most emotional moment that I had had in a really long time. It actually makes me emotional now. And my team, they they were just like, we get it. We understand. Thank you for, you know, thank you for not letting any of us go. Thank you for having like the humanity to, to know that this is hard for all of us. But like that shit was so hard. Oh, it was so, it was gut wrenching. I've been there. We had, we did salary cuts. We had to let people go. It was so fucked up. I cried for like a week straight and then, and then I was supposed to like be happy on Instagram live and I looked like a crazy person. And my brother's like, um, maybe put on some makeup before you go on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's it's hard. We always have to show up, you know? Yeah. That's the part of entrepreneurship because now like you can't really be an entrepreneur. You can't just be the CEO anymore. You have to also be the face. You have to like, you have to talk to people. You have to like, do interviews and, and, you know, and so it's, it's difficult because like no one really knows what's happening internally. Yes, for I sure. For this podcast where you can, where we can come on here and be honest about the tough stuff. Yeah. I think it's, it's cathartic because, you know, you have to go on the news and tout, you know, all the good things that are happening that you're pivoting during the pandemic. Meanwhile, you're like, are my goods going to arrive? Oh no, I'm going to get 3000 of a hundred thousand units. Cool. Right, right. <laughs> We're like, everything's great. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so what is next? You launched Thread. Are you, what are you excited about? Um, that's a good question. I, I think I'm excited about lots of things. I, I finally got into a place of of balance and trust with my team where I know that I don't have to do everything um, Thread is getting a lot of organic, like YouTube hits and Instagram and TikTok hits. So I'm excited to just see what those first impressions are. The the brand is brand new, like it launched 222, and so you know I'm getting those early reads, and it's really exciting to like know that you know something that 
that was our brainchild is working again and serving people and allowing people to see themselves. Like Thread is pretty edgy. We have men in makeup. We have um, non-conforming makeup enthusiasts, you know, as our faces. Like we're really looking to like, again, showcase a different view of beauty. So I'm really excited about Thread. Um, and I'm excited about like a lot of the the exciting stuff that we have at at the lip bar. It's like I can't believe we're ten years old. I can't believe like Michelle Obama wore her lipstick. It's like so many good things have happened. So I'm really just trying to take it all in. So maybe that's what I'm excited about, like breathing, taking a step, and just like patting myself on the back a little bit. Yes, and it's it's like well, I go. It's almost summer. I feel like I'm living in June already, but. What a perfect time to be taking a breather. Yes, yes. So my last two questions for you, um, and you you might say on one of them you already gave enough advice, but is there a particular piece of advice that you'd like to share that either you learned the hard way or you'd like to pass on? So one of my, I think, biggest challenges or things that that held me back in building this business was really not not understanding that I had value that I had value to add, whether that was like to a retailer, whether that was to um, an investor. So it's like, I think that I approached business in a small way at first because I, I didn't know if I would even get that external validation. And it took a really long time to understand that number one, I didn't need it. And then number two, that it's okay if someone who you respect, even if they're in your industry, if they don't, if they don't get it, that doesn't mean that you have to stop. Like you have to know that whoever you are and whatever you're building has value. And in terms of creating additional value or allowing people to understand the value that you add, it's really all about confidence. So it's like if you have the confidence, people will believe you. But if you're waiting on someone else to give you your confidence, you will never get that validation. And so, you know, just I want, again, whether it's between beauty or just something that you want to accomplish in life, I want you to be able to look in the mirror and know that you have value. You can contribute whatever it is that you feel in the bottom of your belly. Like that feeling is valid and you have to go after it and you have to do it with confidence because if you don't believe in it, no one else will believe in it. I'm so curious, where do, where does someone who's listening, who's like, I have no confidence, you know, where do they even find that seed in your opinion or that kernel or that atom? Well, I, th I think the first thing is, going where they are celebrated and not tolerated. Like that may sound cliche, but it's like, start, start testing it. Start testing your confidence with your friends and family. Start, and you can start at home first by looking in the mirror and giving yourself these positive affirmations. And then going to those, in those trusted, in those trusted and safe spaces where you can be yourself and then test it out there. And I think that it is a muscle. Confidence is a muscle that you build over time where it's like, number one, you have to tell yourself and then you have to start be believing it. It's like, it will be uncomfortable. Like, I want you to get in the mirror and say like, I am the shit. Get in the mirror and say, I am beautiful. 
whatever you're working on, like there's no one who can make better lipstick than me. Like that is a great starting point. And then start saying stuff like that to your friends, not in like that cocky, annoying way, but like start slipping it in and see how they feel about it. And you'll find that when you're in those environments where you are truly celebrated and not just tolerated, people will help to build your confidence. And then I think the more you practice in that in that realm, the more you will be confident to take that outside of yourself, outside of your immediate community, to your potential customers, to your potential investors, et cetera. I love it. I love it. I think that's incredible. Um, we did a campaign many years ago, and it was about celebrating all the things that a woman is. And if you feel lacking in one area, you know, lean on the strength you have in something else. So I love that you said that. Yes. Yes. Um, last question for you. What would we be surprised to know about you? You would be surprised to know that I am really good at hula hooping. Like I can probably do it for 30 minutes. It makes me very happy. <laughs> Does it give you that beautiful tiny waist that you have? I will start hula hooping right now if that's the case. No, it just gives me this like nostalgic feeling of like childhood. I think that we're all like kind of thinking about mental health right now and nurturing our inner children and like just making sure that we're we're healed from our our um our early childhood experiences. And so hula hooping, it just takes me back and it makes me feel very free and fun and youthful. Um also in the same vein. I am a master swinger. Like literally no one can go higher on the swings than me. And like, <laughs> I think it's those like moments where I'm able to release. Like you're not thinking about anything other than hula hooping or swinging. So I, I try to like keep it youthful because like then I'm able to recharge. I love it. Well, do you jump off the swing is my next question at the high. No, so here's the thing. I'm too old for that. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't quite have those knees. Anymore. So no, I do not. <laughs> I love it. Um, so where can everyone find Thread, the lip bar, follow you, all the handles and places? So I am, again, I'm Melissa Butler. You can find me on IG at Melissa R. Butler. And you can find both my beauty brands, the lip bar and Thread Beauty. You can find us kind of everywhere, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and then both are sold in Target stores. And the lip bar is also sold in Walmart stores and Meyer stores across the country. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Uh, it was so great to talk to you again. Thank you, Rebecca. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt but it actually helps with search and algorithms. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week.